Um, it's really good to be with you. Uh, it's good to see you. And uh, it's good to see the sun. Um, that's a real nice thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. We've been back, actually. We came back for Christmas, so we've been here for a few weeks now. And uh, yeah, it's been real, real good. Um, and I'm going to jump right in because some of you have no idea who I am and you're confused. So here we go. My name is David. I used to work here. <laughs> but then I quit. Um, and my family is currently doing our best to strengthen churches and spread God's word in the Republic of Ireland. And um, <clears throat> I didn't quit quit. I just kind of temporarily quit. Um, we're doing relatively well in many categories. Uh, my wife and I still like each other a lot, which is, which is cool, which is good. Um, we have seen some progress in, in the mission that we're there to do. Um, we've moved from the nobody knows and nobody cares stage to having some friends. <laughs> Very, not, not as many as here. It's just, my, I mean, it's so awesome being here. Like, I look, I just walk in here and I'm just like, Fred, 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 Fred. Um, and uh, my kids feel the same way. Um, but we've seen the beginning of some discipleship relationships, no doubt about that. Um, we have met some awesome brothers and sisters in Christ, and we've also got people concerned about us. So we must be doing something. And uh, the fact that we're American, that we're missionaries, that we're there to work with churches and work with young people, all are strikes against us in the Republic of Ireland. No doubt about that. But luckily, they don't play baseball, so we're not out, we're not out after three strikes. They play hurling, anyone? Yeah, <laughs> no one. Rugby? Hey, there we go, there we go. Um, Gaelic football? It's, it's a thing. Um, yeah, soccer's actually like number four sport over there, which is kind of like here, but thought that was, that was a surprise to me. Uh, the Guinness does taste a lot better there, but it still is horrible. <laughs> far as I'm concerned. Um, the green landscapes of Ireland come with a price. They're green for a reason. And it's raining. Rain is the reason. Driving left-handed stick shift vehicles on the left-hand side of the car on the left side of the road on three-lane roundabouts, it's really not that bad. You get used to it pretty quick. Pretty quick we got used to it. The trout in Ireland are absolutely beautiful. There's no, no fisherman in here? Fisherwoman, fisher whatever? I, I'm not, it's not like an allegory. I know you're in church. He's like, what does he mean by that? <laughs> you know? Oh, boo. No, just the trout. I love fishing, and I mean, the trout are beautiful. And they're, they're called brown trout, but that's not a joke either. They're literally called brown trout, and, but they're not brown. They're just beautiful, and I love catching them. And then it got cold, and they went away. They were my only friends for a little while. Um... <laughs> The way that the Irish say things is, it really is so fun and so awesome and hard to understand. Um, they're so much better at cuss words than we are. I mean, from, from early, early on, they are, it's poetry in some ways. Like, I'm listening to them and I'm just like, I, it's going over my head. Like, I can't even follow you, young lad. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, there's more stories there, but we got church. <laughs> um, if you want a little further insight into the Irish culture, uh, the soul of the Irish that, that we're, we're studying and learning from, um, you could watch the Banshees of Inna Sharon. Anybody seen it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a few people. Um, it, it is, you should watch it. Um, make sure it's a sunny day and you're not feeling really depressed before you watch it. And then say a prayer for us, please. It's a great movie. And the, the, the people there, they're so, I mean, they've just been through a lot and uh, they're just so interesting. We're learning so much um, from them. And uh, as for you, Living Streams, we miss you all very, very much. That's not just us saying that. That, that is the absolute truth. Um, church is one of the main things my daughters continually talk about what they, when, what they miss. Um, you're not up there with Taco Bell, but you're like right behind Taco Bell and Target. Um, yeah, in Chipotle. Really anything Mexican food <laughs> related at all. Um, but no, they talk about it all the time, which is so amazing and so encouraging to me. Uh, my wife and I miss you guys as well, um, but we so badly want to see the Lord do something beautiful over there like we get to experience here. I mean, that's the whole point is that we just want to break off a chunk of this and go see it come to life over there. And we do. The Tipperary Christian Fellowship is the church we're a part of. And there are some awesome believers and the pastors just, I really, really think he's awesome. Um, and, uh, and yet, you know, they're, they really have vision to become a little bit fuller, a little bit more into hopefully what God has planned for them. And so we're, we've been able to, to kind of get behind and push a little bit. And we're so glad that um, we get to work with them. Um, but thank you for your prayers, your encouragement, your generosity, and your faithfulness to the Lord and to each other and to Ryan and Blake and the other leaders here. Um, it's fun. I, 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 I don't know what's... I don't, I don't check in a lot. Like, I'm there. Um, so I'm not, like, tuning in every service and all those things. Also, the time change is just sometimes weird. But um, when I do, I, I'm just, it's very encouraging. And being back here... Like, we, it just felt like as soon as we got to church, my whole family, I could almost see the bars charging. It was just like, they're just refreshing, refilling. And so we got our first half under our belts, and we're going back for the second half. And this has been a really, really wonderful time. Um, though we feel that nobody knows and nobody cares often, um, we also feel that you got this. You're not alone. It's going to be beautiful. Hang in there, and we are proud of you coming from this place. We really do feel the strength. We, we feel like we have gone from strength and that strength has not waned or dissipated or lost. And we know that's the Lord in you for sure, but I do want to thank you for that. Um, one of my favorite moments in Ireland is when we were driving home from, from a ministry event that we put on for youth and uh, my girls were all talking excitedly. It's fun because like we literally are a team. Like I had a direction team here, an elder team, staff team, and then like deacon team. There was all a team. And it's like I got my family team, and we dog, <laughs> you know, like, that's what we got. But we're coming home, and they're just talking about, oh, yeah, this was awesome. Oh, did you see this? Oh, that was so cool. And, Dad, you really blew it here. Or, Mom, that was no good here. And they're, but they're like the team, and they're, so we're there assessing. And, and, and my oldest daughter, at one point, she just stopped, and she goes, I just wish we could take them to Living Streams one time so they could see what's possible. And this is for the kids that we've been working with that they're not churched at all. I mean, they're, they're 
you know, we've been told they're from the kind of rough side of town or whatever. And she's like, I just wish I could take them one time so they could feel what it's like to be in a community like that. And so, again, that's very encouraging. So thank you for that. Um, But with that being said, um, we'll go into today's message, which I've titled, How to Know if God's Calling You to Go Live in Another Country in 2023. (laughs) So brace yourself um, or leave if you need to, if that's too scary. I know Mark Buckley, the founding pastor of the church, he told a story one time in church um, about how he grew up Catholic and then, and then really started to kind of follow Jesus um, real personally and intimately. And he was just so scared that God was going to tell him he had to go to Africa. Um, and he said, or worse, Iowa, <laughs> which again, I don't know. I don't know what, he's from Northern California and Iowa, whatever. And, and so, you know, you might be a little nervous right now about that same thing. But it was funny because then he tells the story about afterwards, a guy came up to him after the message and said, hey, I'm from Iowa. And they, they had some words. They didn't throw hands or anything, but they had some words. So sorry if you're from Iowa. I'm sure it's great. You enjoy it. <laughs> Man, my mind has got a lot more jokes going through it than I remembered last service. Um, so anyways, that's the message. But ultimately, that's a joke. The real message is how do we know God's will for our lives? How can we know God's will for our life? Um, one of the prophets talks about life as the, as the valley of decision. Multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. And basically, that, that is our existence. Every day we're making decisions. Um, you know, should we marry the girl? Should, should, should we break up with the boy? Should we um, go get this job? Should we get that job? Um, should we buy the house, not buy the house? Should we adopt? Should we foster? Um, should we get involved in that, not get involved in that? Um, we have so many decisions to make all the time. And, and so, you know, how can we, um, as people who aren't perfect, who don't have perfect knowledge, um, how can we know what is right for our lives? What is God's will for our lives? What is God's desire for our life? Um, and to start out with that, we have to convince ourselves, um, we have to prove to ourselves that God actually does have a plan for our life or a will for our life. And uh, we're going to look to Jesus to help us with that. Um, He's the best place to go for truth because he's the one that claimed to know the truth and then rose from the dead. So anytime someone's telling you, hey, this is the truth, just say, any chance you've risen from the dead before? Um, Because that would really, I mean, that would help out. I mean, it's pretty good if you can do that. Um, And if they say no or they don't answer, then you know Jesus is, is a better place to get truth. So Matthew 12, 48 through 50, um, Jesus says, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Basically, Jesus is saying that his Father in heaven has a will for people, and the people that do the will of the Father, he includes in his family. They are part of his family. Um, Jesus also said in Matthew 6, 20, or 6, 10, as he was teaching the disciples how to pray, he said, how, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's something that we're supposed to pray on the regular, that we're supposed to pray that God's kingdom would come, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So right now, as we're on earth, God has a will for us to accomplish, 
to participate in, accomplishing. And then Luke 22, this is um, for those of you who are a little more theologically bent maybe or, or Bible study bent, um, you can dive into this and, and I'd love to hear, get an email um, about where, what you come up with. Um, but basically Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and the situation, the decision that he's making, the moment of time he's in is so stressful for him that literally the capillaries in his forehead burst and blood starts to come down his forehead. And some of us, you know, a lot of us have been in stressful situations or we've had dark nights of the soul. But this was a time where Jesus was so stressed out physically, emotionally, spiritually, that there was that physical response. And in that moment, Jesus says, Father, if it's possible, please take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And again, I haven't gone too far into this, but you can if it's fun for you. Um, we know Jesus is part of the Trinity, the triune God, this, this holy community. And, and there's perfect unity in this community. One will. But in this prayer of Jesus, it's as if Jesus is helping us get an insight into what the incarnation really, really was about. That here in his 100% humanity, 100% divinity, he felt this will within himself that was going in the opposite direction of the will of the Father. And for us, that, I mean, that's happened every day, right? We know for us that's an easy prayer to pray. Not my will, your will be done, because my will is small. Before I knew Jesus, my will was so self-centered and so small-minded. What I wanted and Jesus rescued me from that. And he introduced me to his will. And I was like, whoa, that's not all about me. <laughs> and that's beautiful. And here Jesus, somehow in his divinity, is experiencing the first time where there was a difficult unity in the Trinity. So I won't say more there. You can dive into that if you want. But but Jesus is obviously making it clear that the Father has a will for our lives, for his life, for our lives, for your life. And in other places in the scriptures, the Bible talks about how God has more thoughts towards you than the sands of the seashore in number. He's always thinking about you. He's always thinking about your day, more than you are. You wake up and he's like, man, I gotta tell you, I got these ideas. I've been thinking about it all night while you're sleeping. And you're like, coffee, or whatever you say. I don't know what you say in the morning. I don't say coffee. Um, I say Guinness. No, I don't say Guinness either. It's horrible. But, but anyways, God, God, he does have plans for you. He, he knows the plans he has for you. He, he longs to share the plans with you. I love what Amos says. It says, surely God would never do anything without talking to his servants, the prophets. I mean, I, it seems audacious, but he's in the Bible. The Spirit inspired him, and throughout time it's been preserved that Amos is saying as God's heart is to share with us. He loves to tell us his plans and his desires. So right now, God actually is telling you. And whether you're hearing it or receiving it or not is the next question. And so I'm going to introduce how can we figure out what God's will is, if God's so faithful to say it, and if it's there. Well, I'm going to introduce a word to some of you. Many of you probably have heard it before, but it's discernment. The way that a follower of Christ, the way that a Christian, the way that a human can figure out the will of God is through a process called discernment. 
God is faithful to communicate to us. And then he leaves up, up, up our job as discernment. And so discernment, defined by Oxford, is the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. And the will of God, it is. It can be obscure because we don't have the same mind of God. We live in a world where people have a lot of ideas. And, and in now today's world, we have more information hitting us than any time period ever before us. We, we are just inundated with information. We know about what's happening in every pocket of the world as far as news goes. Nobody else has have to, had to carry that weight. We know what's happening in Charlie Dominio's life every second of every day. I mean, I don't. I don't even know if I'm saying the name right. We know what Will Smith is doing every day, thanks to TikTok. I know what you guys are doing every single day because of Instagram and Facebook. The pastors have never had such a better tool <laughs> to keep their eye on everybody, to know exactly what they're doing at all times. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't follow you at all, I don't think. I don't know. Maybe some of you I do. Um, but, I mean, that's just one segment of information we're being inundated with all the time. Not, not to mention Netflix and all the movies and all the other things and YouTubes and all these things, and the stuff we actually need to know <laughs> in life. A lot of you are college students. You're being inundated right now with information. And, and I think all of us hopefully are at the place where we at, re at least realize we need to figure out what's, what's behind the information because the people hitting us with information aren't always trying to do it for our best good, right? Misinformation or all of the information hitting us is really... Um, probably trying to manipulate us or form us into something. Now, some of it, I think, really is sinister, but most of it is probably just trying to get your money or your time. Trying to turn you into a peak consumer so that they can get rich or known. It's a very interesting time that we're going through right now. And it's not creating clarity, it's creating obscurity. And God's will and God's plan and God's word and the truth has never been more or less harder to find. Like it's always been there, it's consistent, it's faithful, it's reality. But there's just layers and layers and layers and layers put upon it so it just seems harder to find. And so we as Christians really need to figure out the process of discernment to find clarity in what was obscure. Um, Pope Francis, um, he says, discernment means to think through our decisions and actions, not just by rational calculation, but by listening for his spirit, recognizing in prayer God's motives, invitations, and will. There is a principle worth remembering in these times. Ideas are debated but reality is discerned. Now, don't, I'm in Ireland. I just quoted the Pope. I'm not like going Catholic or anything, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, who's also from that part of the woods, maybe, um, he says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Very tricky these days. 
We really need to get good at discernment. We really need to be able to cut through all of the information to arrive at reality because that's where God lives. And Jesus didn't say, you know, I mean, it's wild. Jesus didn't say love will set you free. He didn't say grace will set you free. Jesus said it's the truth that will set you free. And so if you mess with truth, you're just messing with your own freedom. So we got to find the truth in these days. Um, Paul, it was so important for him that he prayed at the begin, or prayed for the Ephesus church, the Philippian church, these prayers about discernment. Ephesians 5, 6 through 10, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Philippians 1, 9 through 10, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul really wanted the people that he was shepherding to really get discernment. And what's wonderful is the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, Ryan talked about prophecy last week as one of the gifts of the Spirit. Another gift of the Spirit is discernment. That God wants us to have discernment, and we need discernment as we're going into a new year to figure out what God's will is for us individually, as a church, as a family, as a, as a couple, or whatever it might be. We need to know God's words. We need discernment. Um, and so I'm going to take you through the process of how my family d- discerned that we were supposed to spend a year in another country. Um, and hopefully along the way, there might be a few things that you could grab um, as you're trying to discern what the Lord might be asking you to do uh, now or this year. Uh, so there's four things. The first one, um, we were able to discern God's Word thanks to the Scriptures, the library of Scriptures that's been um, preserved for all this time. Uh, we were able to discern God's Word to us um, by the community that we are in. That was a helpful tool. We were able to discern God's Word um, by I don't know quite how to say this, but by reality, we were, we were willing to acknowledge reality, <laughs> maybe practicality, um, but it'll make sense in just a minute. And then we were able to discern God's Word uh, by stepping out. So first is uh, by the Scriptures, by community, by reality, and by stepping out. Um, so the first one, Scriptures. Uh, Brittany and I are people of the book. And we know that's becoming more and more uncool, more and more unpopular, more and more odious and offensive, but I love the Bible now more than ever. I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I read it. I study it. I say it. I love it. It's so helpful. I mean, our world kind of sucks right now. All this information is crazy, but we have something that is so proven This book has seen cultures rise and fall and rise and fall and rise and fall. And it doesn't laugh. It just sits there and stares. And it's unchanged. And they keep going, aha, the Bible was wrong about this in in its history. And and they they keep digging and they're like, oh, never mind. The Bible's right. (laughs) I mean, it's, 
It's unbelievable. This book is so special. And obviously, you know, this book is, is not God. It, this book is just something that God has given us to help us know him in his heart and his word. Right? Like Abraham, Abraham knew God's word, but he never had a Bible. But if he did, he would have been like, what? This is way easier. And so for us, we're at this point where, by God's grace, we know how to read, most of us. By God's grace, people have painstakingly and at, sometimes at the cost of their lives preserved and, and translated this for us. And then there it is, this like super helpful thing. And I get it that sometimes you read it and you're like, what? I feel dumber. No doubt about it, but it gets in you. The Bible says about itself that it's like this, this sword that penetrates between joint and flesh and discerns your own intentions and cuts straight to the heart. And you get it into it and it just starts working and working. And next thing you know, you just start to have it mingling with your thoughts and it's just a little different. And so for us, there's, a, there's verses in here about going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And Brittany did not grow up, you know, like wanting to do that. But at some point, she encountered those verses. She encountered those stories. She read the book of Acts, and it just got in her. And next thing you show is like, I want to go to other countries and tell people about Jesus. And I was like, well, you could have told me that before we got married. No, she, I knew that before we got married. And then I got married to her, and I thought, maybe I'll just kind of, you know, weigh her down enough and she'll let that go. But no, it got stronger, it got stronger. Next thing you know, I was living in some hut village situation, no running water, getting bit by mosquitoes all the time, just because I like her that much. And that, ver that verse has just gotten into it. And it's just, I mean, obviously, it, it, there's lots of ways that can be expressed, but that's one of the ways that for us. And then we connected that with some other verses about where the Bible says, work a field for six years and then let it, let it lie fallow and go work a different field. Because if you keep working that field, you'll get diminishing returns. I don't want diminishing returns. It's hard work. So every six years, we decided to make a rule of life for our family. We just quit said, okay, we're not going to work the same field more than six years in a row. We're going to quit. We're going to work a different field. And so this is our third time around. We quit. We're going to work a real rainy field. <laughs> and so the scriptures just kind of work their ways into us, and we're trying to work it out, and there's more to discerning what God's will is than that, and we'll get to that. But those scriptures are so foundational, so fundamental for how these things work out to discern God's will. Secondly, we move into community. So we have this rule of life. We have this command by Jesus. And, and so we kind of work it out. And I remember the day when I sat down with our direction team um, about three years ago, maybe something like that. And I was like, you know that thing that Brittany and I do sometimes where we work for six years and then quit? And they were like, yes. We we're like, uh, we think we might want to do it again. I think we're supposed to, I think we're supposed to do it again. And they were like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then we talked a little bit more, and then we met with the elders, and I told them, and they were like, <laughs> you're joking, right? We were like, no, we're not joking. And they were like, okay, and 
And so we just kind of set it all to prayer. And, and we weren't telling them we were going to do it. We were submitting, saying, hey, we, this is in our hearts. We're bringing it to you before it's too late and we want to process out. And so we just went on a process. They, they, you know, challenged us. They asked us questions. They said, what about this? What about this? And we went through this process. And, and I can tell you with 100% honesty that after probably just about a week, maybe two weeks, everybody on the direction team, everybody on the other team were saying, this sounds awesome. And they were not, they didn't start that way. They were kind of like, <laughs> you jerk. And then they were like, man, this is beautiful. And they got excited about it. It was like joy and peace came in. Am I I'm not lying, right? I mean, it, it was like, it was, it was awesome. And we didn't know if that was going to happen. I mean, we knew the first part was going to happen. <laughs> They'd be like, you and your stupid ideas. I just blame Brittany. But then we went through this process and it came down and the Bible says, go out with joy, be led forth with peace. And joy and peace came to a situation that probably wouldn't have been that joy and peaceful. And when we ended up telling you guys, the church here, I was so shocked at you guys. Started making me think you don't like me very much. Because you were like, that sounds awesome, man. Let's do this. You're like, just a year, right? And I was like, yeah, just a year. And you're like, okay. And everybody started getting so excited. So that was Community. And then we got reality. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, this is so exciting. This is so awesome. Wonderful. We're going to get to see it. And then Brittany and I went away from those meetings, and we were like, oh, we've we got no place to live. What are we going to do for a vehicle? How are we going to afford this? we got our own house. we got some debt. We can't, like, you know, go spend money here. We're not even paid debt. It was just like all of a sudden reality was just challenging. Our daughters were like, what about school? We like our school. At least most of our girls like their school. And just one by one, we just said, okay, Lord, we're not, we can't go if we're in debt. And so we were able to pay off our car. We were able to pay off some school. I thought, whoa, that's cool. And then we were able to find somebody to rent our house. And then, it, I mean, boom, 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 boom. Reality started to confirm the will of God. The spiritual and the, and the practical, they are connected, Christians. I love what the Pope says there. He's like, it's not just, what do you say? There you are. It's not just by rational calculation, but also by sensing spirit. But he's not discounting rational calculation. Like, it's got to make sense, too. It's got to work. Otherwise, you just become a burden. And so one by one, we ended up having all of the practical realities of life fall into place. And we were patient. We waited. We called up a missions agency, even though we knew they would hate us and we would hate them. We're just not very organized. And we went through a six-month process with them. Interviews, paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. Oh, paperwork. But we were submitting to this process. We wanted reality to check out, too. We got to the end of that process, and the night before we were going to have our, um, our like, last interview, and the, the guy was saying they're going to accept us, they didn't accept us. Disqualified. Like, what? But it, 
it's just a joke. I mean, we did get disqualified, but it was because of COVID um, vaccines for our, our kids and stuff like that. And we just weren't quite comfortable. And then they changed their policy back to where you didn't have to do that like a week later. But we were like, mm, I think we already know that we're supposed to. And so Living Streams has just been our sending agency, which we wanted in the beginning, but we wanted to do all the things possible to really know what was right. And, uh, and that, they connected with some people there. And it kind of, it's just been this whole process of watching reality begin to shape itself. What seemed like it could not become reality became reality through God's plan and God's desire and God's will. And then we were just left for the last thing to step out. And we, um, we did. We stepped out. And I remember right before we... Uh, well, right when we moved into our house, the first day we were going for a walk, and, um, and, and when, we, when we were worried about the house, we sat our girls down, and we, we all got a piece of paper and a pencil out, and we said, okay, we're going to spend a few minutes here just quiet, and, and we're really trying to figure out where the Lord wants us to be and see if the Lord's going to speak to us anything about Ireland and our house situation and all of that. And, and so they wrote down, um, one of my daughters wrote down, I, I saw a yellow building. We were like... Okay. My other daughter wrote down, I just saw a bunch of like sunflowers, like yellow flowers. And then my other uh, daughter wrote down, she saw a statue. And so we were like, okay, well, that didn't work. And so we were moving on or whatever. But we just, we kind of hid those things in our heart like Mary did, right? Just, okay, Lord, whatever. This doesn't seem that great. We shared it with some of the missionaries that we knew over there. Like, does this make any sense to you? And they were like, not really. <laughs> we, we Googled it. We Googled those three things. Like, Google, help us out. Nothing really happened in there. So we were like, okay, whatever. Um, you know, we're trying. We're trying to figure it out. But we stepped out. We, knew, we, we had enough to where it was like, okay, we should go. And we get into this house, and we're going for this walk on the very first day that we're in the house. And, and it dawns on me as we walk from our house down this little street to this main street that right at the right at the, the the corner of, the, of our street and this main, more main street is this giant abandoned hotel that's yellow. Like it was, and it, and it would make sense that there was no real markings because it's just an abandoned building, but it's yellow. And I was like, well, maybe that's the yellow building. And then right next to the yellow building, there's this house, and it's a confusing house as well. It's just like, it's like a nice house, but it's, it's just full of antiques. Like you look in the window, it's just, there's no people can go in there. It's just antique furniture. And, but then it has this yard, and this yard is beautiful, and it's filled with like these small flowers. I don't know what they are, but they look like sunflowers. You know, they're like brown in the middle. Like is daisies maybe? I don't, I don't know what they are. This is your, this is your moment to shine, gardener people. Um, but it's like, it's like, it looks like a sunflower, but it's just small. But it's just filled with yellow flowers. And then, um, no joke, we drive kind of over this little hill to get into town every day. And, and right at the top of the hill, there's this giant statue with his hands out like this. And it's, 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 it's Christ the King um, statue, but, but it looks, I mean, it looks like an angel. I got long hair and stuff. Um, but but we, we, just, we drive past all three of those things every day we go into town. And what's so special about that is, one is, we stepped out and the Lord still was faithful to confirm to say, hey, just so you know, you, you did get this right. And what's so important is that, you know, really settles my own heart and soul. But now I don't have to convince my girls that that's where we're supposed to be. Because they would rather be here every single day. Taco Bell, Chipotle, Habit, and Target. 
They don't have them there. And, and you guys and family and stuff too. <laughs> but, but whenever, when, when, it, when it gets real cold, dark, and lonely, when it gets real boring, when we feel like we're kind of more unwanted than anything else, there's never been a moment where we haven't known that we know that we know that that's where we're supposed to be right now. And that gives us endless amounts of courage. It gives us endless amounts of, of, of endurance. It gives us endless amounts of strength to know that we're where God wants us to be. And that's what I long for each one of you. And obviously, you know, like, I, trust me, I, I'm, I'm obscure all the time too. It's not like I just live with this 1,000% certainty all the days of my life. But on this situation, it's really, really nice because of how hard it's been at times to know that we're right where God wants us to be and God's will is always worth it. And guess what? Not being in God's will is always not worth it because you're just on your own. So that's our little process of discernment. And as you're making decisions for your lives, I encourage you to try and just kind of go through a little bit of that process. Check off those boxes of starting with the scriptures, confirming it with community, confirming it with reality. Let that be a part of the process. And then, and then, and then I don't think God really gives you 100% certainty until you take that final step. David didn't really know if he was supposed to kill Goliath until... Goliath was dead. That's when he was like, hey, I knew I was supposed to do this. But all the way up to that point, there, he, he was stepping out a little bit. Peter didn't really know if he was supposed to walk on water until he was walking on water. And so there is that moment of truth where God's saying, okay, I've given you what you need, and now go so I can show off a little more. And that's what we're getting to see in Ireland right now. So the last thing, I'll just give you another practical verse of how can you know the will of God. Romans 12, is a, uh, verse 2, says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. A huge part of discerning God's will is stopping the conforming to this world and starting out a year with a fasting and prayer season where you're going to cut out food maybe on a day like Wednesdays, but I'd encourage you to cut out some Netflix and cut out some, some car radio time or some podcasts even, even if they're Christian, and just find some space for the Lord to come and transform your mind. The world that we're living in is trying so hard to form us into being peak consumers. We've got to fight against it and leave room for the Holy Spirit to form us into His image so we can know the will of God and find how good and pleasing and perfect it is. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you're talking to us. That you didn't leave us alone, but you left your spirit to prompt, to guide, to steer, to correct, to inspire. And Lord, I pray you really would hit us with a real powerful gift of discernment.
We know your way is straight and narrow, Jesus, and few there be that find it. But we want it so bad, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that they'd be able to find it. And when we find it, Lord, I pray you'd just give us courage because it's always going to be way more than we can handle and way more than we could even hope for. So we need courage. Let this group be a real brave people. Let this be the bravest year of their life. Let them see what fear looks like. Let them see it coming. And let them overcome it. I pray you do the same for me and my wife and my girls too, Lord.